0: Oh, mm. ah, eh.
1: Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Alex. And this week it is just us. I never just us, but that's just how we say it. It's fully us. It's fully us. And I would like to take a minute, as we begin, to respectfully acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the tsleil Thank you. We are settlers on your land and we seek to do you honour by giving more space, creating more space for the voices that are the stewards of the land. We are here to talk about shifting perspectives and paradigms. We were debating before we drove up the mountain, what should we speak about today? We were not quite expecting to be talking just the two of us today. But that's quite all right. We're always game to just grab the opportunity. And um, I'd been telling Luca a story about something that happened to me the other night, which will probably come up a bit later. And then we were talking about other things. And, and then you hit on this, uh, this concept, Luca, you were talking about something specific, you were saying about how, when we need to make We're looking to usher in a change. We're looking to usher in a new way of being, specifically, that we often think we have to do. There's like a whole bunch of stuff or ways of being that we need to do to make that happen. But you were making the point that it actually often requires us to slow way down.
2: Well, it all came out of a conversation I was having with a former client of mine who works in... The world of organizations and she had she had uh, taken some time off from this organization and gone back to it again and when she went back in it was with the belief that the the department she was going into was going to do things differently than the rest of the organization and they genuinely have that desire to do that. However, I think that her, and and she and I were talking about this, her definition of what different is is different from their definition of what different is. And so she her frustration level is going higher and higher and higher. And she's a person who has very high standards for performance, um, for uh, what is giving enough, what is... Uh, being responsible enough, all of those things. So she's been... Um, it's its like the em- emotional and energetic equivalent of burning a candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. And she's she's burning herself out. Mm-hmm. So she got really sick um, and lost her voice and was not able to go to work for a whole week. And during that time, she connected with me because she said, something's going on here and I need to talk about what it is. So we were talking about what what does it mean... When an organization is trying to change the way they work. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's representative of how uh, many people are trying to, and and, and often they're called quote-unquote new agers, Mm. or paradigm shifters, or lightworkers, or, you know, there's a myriad of different terms that you can use. But basically, it's people who are saying... The way we've been doing things up until now isn't working so great anymore, mm. and just one more revolution isn't necessarily going to do it. We need we need the mega change now, right. and what is that? Like we talk about it quite glibly. I talk about it quite glibly as a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. But what is a paradigm? A paradigm is um, it's it's. Uh, it's how we do things, but it's it's not the obvious parts of how we do things because the obvious parts are easier to change than the not so obvious parts. It's the parts that are ingrained in us that we think don't even bear looking at because we don't know they're there. Like they're, they're what we think of as fact. That's just the way it is. So that's the pieces that she's running up against in this organization. And they're very difficult to articulate because we're not even sure. Those of us who are trying to change them, we've just become so uncomfortable in the world as it is uh, and in our own lives. So most of us are changing this from the inside first. So I'm, I've been doing this for since the early 90s, and I'm a, in many ways I'm a forerunner. I, like I get uncomfortable with things inside me before society in general is usually getting uncomfortable with them. So so I grappled with how, what do I call this? Mm-hmm. Like what is it? How do I describe it to anybody else? Because if you can't identify it, how do you change it? So so this is the piece that we're that we're looking at. So once you can say what it is and it's making you uncomfortable, then you have to sort of say, well, how is it making me uncomfortable? Because otherwise, for those of us who are self-responsible, we, we think, oh, I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing it wrong, right? I'm not fitting. I'm, um, I'm whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and so when those accusations are leveled at me from the outside, oh, you're just too sensitive or you shouldn't be looking at it like that. Uh, don't take it all to heart. Uh, you just got to grow a thicker skin. Those kinds of comments, um, which might have been useful, you know, 50 60, 70 years ago, are not useful anymore. So we've got a whole generation of people now, um, you know, those those people who are maybe in their 20s and 30s and are starting out in the world of organizations, where they're it, it, it's not useful for them to be less sensitive. They need to be as sensitive as they are, and they've got to find ways to deal with it. So if you're dealing with it, how do you know what's you and what's not you?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and what's it's not about pointing a long bony finger at somebody else and and saying they they the, they're the problem It's what what can we do? Uh, with that little bit of extra awareness in order to be able to help the whole mm-hmm. And I don't think we can run in there and try and change the world the whole world um, This woman can't change the whole organization. She's in it's a huge organization. And she's in one tiny c- corner of one department of one, of one part of the organization. So it's, it's really easy to look at it and say, oh, my God, it's so big, I can't possibly do anything about it. Uh, and then we get despondent because we're so uncomfortable with it. it doesn't, it's, make, it's making us feel awful to go to work in it every day. So, so what do we have to do in order to be able to go to work every day uh, to not give up on it, to not blame everybody who's in that system, to not get angry and bitter and and feel victimized, but to stay empowered um, and know that we're making a difference. So that means how do we measure it, right? Mm. What are we measuring and and how what do we use to measure it? And then what do we do with that once once we figured out, what it is, so this is a, this is an ongoing conversation that I'm having with the kinds of people who want to come to me as clients because they're the people who are tearing their hair out about mm-hmm, this,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and I've started to identify it as the three dimensional world and the multi dimensional world, but then uh, people say to me, well, well, what does that mean? Like, what is the three dimensional world, and how do you know that you're stuck in between the two, and what's it going to look like when it's multi dimensional? Mm-hmm. So. Um, this former client of, I and, uh, of mine and I—we were, we were talking about, ha- you know, ha- what are you picking up? What, what is it that you don't that you don't like? That isn't comfortable. So the part that we've collectively found ourselves moving away from is um, competition as opposed to collaboration. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a right wrong rule bound environment uh, with uh, rewards and punishments. Uh, because that takes it, that externalizes your power. It, it's like yeah, having an exam and having somebody else tell you what's what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. We we want this to be more internalized. Um, so uh, it's it's about um, having your time and energy valued by cl- by a clock and by meeting organizational goals. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any goals. Uh, but the goals might not need to be so financial anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we're really trying to save the planet, I'm not sure financial goals are going to do it. So we're we're talking here about qualitative and not just quantitative measures in mm-hmm. the world. So when we were talking about that, it made me think about the difference that I've been describing between masculine and feminine. And that doesn't mean mean male and female. It's mm-hmm. not chromosomes. We're talking here about yin, like, it's more like yin and yang. It's about um, coming from the heart, and and from um, maybe a spiritual sense, a value sense, maybe is, is a better way of describing it, and and coming from the head, and a procedural, uh, goal oriented way of looking at things. And I think they're both important. So I think that part of this marrying of and and transitioning between the three-dimensional, um, more masculine, yang-oriented world and a m- more pluralistic world where we're, where we're putting these together is that the masculine and the feminine now need to dance together. Mm-hmm. So then it, it's about, well, what are we really trying to do here? And is it still... Um, useful to have a Cartesian kind of world, which comes from Descartes, who was breaking things down into their component parts in order to try and understand them. That so still influences our world, but we have now um, um, a counterweight on it, which is trying to understand things in their totality. Mm. so we're we're trying to be more um, homogeneous. Um, and i don't mean getting rid of difference i mean I mean taking all of the differences into account and and making them part of the whole. so how do we do that how do, how is it because w- w- we 're really grappling with how do I go to work every day mm-hmm. right if i'm if i 'm a sole proprietor like me or like you then then how how do I um, determine where i 'm going mm-hmm. uh, what's my purpose in the world and how am I going to uh, make that difference every day. And if, I, if I've if i elected to go and work in an organization, and that organization isn't awake yet, i.e. isn't awake enough for me, because mm-hmm. there's nothing that we, says that they're in the wrong place, they're just not in the right place for me. Sure. And it, and it could also be that we could see that, because I think this is a pretty
1: easy thing to look at um, when it comes to, say... Uh, We can look at our society as a whole. We can see the issues that we're grappling with as a society. We can see new perspectives that are more healthy for us as a holistic society with ways of, of... being as we're trying to change laws, we're trying yeah. to change practices. To be and more inclusive, more yeah. egalitarian. And we can sometimes see that, that when it comes to businesses, that they're even, well, sometimes they're more progressive. Sometimes they they're be. farther yes. behind. Yeah. So that could be some of the things that we're running up against and yeah. seeing, Like, well, I'm here, but this thing that I'm engaging with, it's meant to be my method of contributing what I want to contribute in the world. Yes. <laughs>
2: Self-expression. Self-expression. Marrying my values with my actions, yeah mm-hmm. so
1: something that's popped into my head while you're describing this is um, i I know my my dad made a comment about me a, a year or two ago that hit me <laughs> in a funny level, and I've now decided to just run with it mm-hmm. where he was saying, uh, Rebecca isn't about um evolution, she's about revolution and how he was nailing how I tend to approach when when I'm, when I'm feeling stuck, when something needs to change. Um, I've sometimes described it as it's feeling like my shoes are too tight. I feel like I can't turn. None of the decisions or the options available to me don't feel like they're right, not in terms of black and white, right and wrong, but in alignment with what I want to be with as free as I want to be, as big as I want to be, with what needs to be the focus, whatever, all of these things. And that's that's me, and that's not everybody. It would be absolute chaos. And it's not the the only truth. It's your truth. Yeah, it would be absolute chaos in the world if everybody was out there trying to revolution everything all the time. Um, So we all have different callings, different ways of enacting the change, ways of perceiving what needs to happen and when it needs to happen we and that that difference can also happen at different times of our lives because i'm feeling the like the sense that there are times when there's a ripeness um where we may know that there's a shift that needs to come but it's like you can be in an organization no not now not now not now not now
2: that now. Oh my God! There's an opening. <laughs> like something else yes. happened. Something but you got to be looking for the opening, yes. right? And this is what I was talking about with this um, woman I was talking to last yeah. week. It's it's if you if you think you're doing it wrong, incorrectly, not well enough, if if that gap doesn't come, right? If that quickening spot doesn't come, then you're beating yourself up every day, right? If you know that you're in the right place at the right time and you're waiting for an opening you you do it differently. Right? Now now I'm in the I'm I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm just watching for mm-hmm. when I get to put my bit in. So how would a person
1: determine for themselves whether they are in a place that is the right place for them and they are awaiting, right? They're awaiting a ripeness. Versus they They are the ones that are ripe, and there needs to be a a shift. They need to create a shift where they're moving something in a big way. What comes up for you?
2: Well, I I can definitely speak from my own experience. I walked out of the world of organizations in 1990. So I did it way ahead of a lot of people and had to reinvent myself. And I reinvented myself in a way that meant that I wasn't going back into organizations. And every once in a while, I'd have another go at it. I'd think, well, maybe I need to be back in organizations. And it felt terrible. (laughs) So I began to think, oh, okay, so maybe, because I'm intuitive, I thought, well, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to be there right now. Maybe I'm supposed to stay where I am. So I was looking for avenues that were shiny, Avenues that allowed me to use my talents, my skills, my experience in a way that made me feel fulfilled. So it was starting from... I'm not comfortable.
1: But it sounded like it was more than an I'm not comfortable, that there wasn't, it was breeding unhappiness, breeding some unpleasantness within you. And
2: And disempowerment. Like I felt like there wasn't anything I could do within the organizations that I was and in. And I'm
1: guessing that perhaps the external that you were in was not what was creating. Well, sometimes it can be creating that too. I'm what I'm tr- what I'm aiming for is sometimes we create that discomfort for ourselves. I'm thinking of the situation you were already describing, where somebody is in the, in a situation that is good for them. Mm-hmm. It's appropriate. It's effective. They don't need to go and revolutionize everything. Mm-hmm. But but they're maybe they are unhappy, but it could also be because of things that they are telling themselves, like I the shoulds, the list of shoulds, right? I should be feeling this way. I should be having this kind of impact. I should be la la la. Whereas if you lay the shoulds, shoulds aside, are you actually okay? Are you not just okay, but are, are you ha- are you happy and content? With where you are, if you could know that those things are going to come at a ripeness in the future, how do you feel then? Do, do you actually feel
2: like I can enjoy this? And do you know that, right? Yeah. Because yeah. when I work with people like that, if I dig deep enough, they say, well, it's going to come eventually. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the, the default way deep down is, yeah, it's going to come eventually. Uh, but it's not here yet. Mm-hmm. So, And these are usually competent people. Who um, have an internal locus of control, so so they're not they're not waiting for somebody on the outside to tell them if they were doing they're doing a good job or not. They they, they are people who naturally perform at like 110, percent but they're not happy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so that's it, it's like those kinds of clues. This is this tends. I was going to say it tends not to be people who are underperforming, but. You can end up underperforming when you're depressed. When you're, you're can depressed end up, and yeah. fed up and blocked, and but it, but it's the question of is this is it me or am I shifting? And and I honestly don't. If you put a person in front of me, I can tell you. Right. But in in general terms, I'm not sure. I've quite figured that one yeah. out yet. Yeah. But um, well, we're gonna we're talking through different
1: clues, maybe yeah. that we've had at different times in our in our life, right? Um, for me. So,
2: before we go any further, oh, yes. if anybody's joining us right now, <laughs> if any of you out there in Radio Land are joining us, you're uh, listening to Rebecca and Luca, and and we're on Essential Conversations, and we're having an essential conversation with ourselves today, <laughs> and we're and we're talking about shifts and making shifts, shifting the planet, shifting ourselves in our mm-hmm. own lives, shifting organizations. How do we do it? How do we know it's ripe? Um, it's meaty. So. so. Welcome. another thing that was in my mind while
1: you were speaking a little while ago was something that happened this week. And I don't know if you would have run across it in the news. So there was a group of children and their parents who went to a congresswoman and were asking her to consider the Green New Deal. So it was a Republican congressman, Mm. congresswoman. Mm. And they came to her office. They had posters and they, these children spoke from the heart. And the, and the, the Green New Deal has been proposed by uh, Democrats. So it's a different, you know, the opposite party. Mm-hmm. Um, the and, other side
2: of the aisle, Yes, as they say. So this yep.
1: this became newsworthy uh, because there were varying versions of the, of the video, different cuts of the video that went around. And a lot of people were pulling out different things that they were talking about with this. Um, as examples. Uh, as examples. Problematic. Yeah. So for some people, the children were problematic in terms of uh, perhaps disrespecting the years of wisdom and experience that the congresswoman has. Mm-hmm. Um, for other people, there was a problem with the congresswoman for uh, being very... Um, what is the phrasing I want to use here? Most of her... Talking points were about her position of power and requesting the respect for her position of power rather than talking about the issues specifically.
2: And she would have had to fight quite hard to have that because she's a woman in a traditionally male world and she had to claw her way up. I mean, I've got personal opinions
1: on this, but I'm trying to just lay out what the situation is. But why, why I bring it up is because it's around climate. It's around climate change. It's around the dire position we're in shift. right now. Which is which is there? <laughs> the shift is happening. The shift is how happening. How do by we the respond? Yeah. What do we? What is our intervention at this mm-hmm. point? What is our choice? What are we going to do about this? Mm-hmm. And I think even without having needing to, to take one side or another about mm-hmm. what that situation was, yep. there might be some useful clues about how to um, how to approach. Where do we go if we're trying to shift the perspective? Because I don't even think that the congresswoman was trying to deny that there needed to be a shift. No. I think she was present there. But well, then she was it's just, how are like, we going to do looks it? Looks right? different, yes. yes, from where she was at. Who
2: and who's responsible and who's going to pay for it? And, like, and there's all kinds of different stuff like it, that.
1: And then I mean, you can have questions of is that shift going to be big enough? Yeah. This is where and it doesn't over what need time to be. frame? And yeah, yeah. So what I'm pulling out from it. Um and this hooks back to where you had first talked of some elements, which was the slowing down part. Um rather than the being being busy. Mm-hmm. We can make a lot of busy work and boy are we addicted to that in our Western society. The the productivity, the um making of
2: lists and ticking things off and it 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 feels An evaluation. Effective. This whole process of Is it good enough? Is it on a scale? Um, Have I done enough, well enough, long enough, hard enough?
1: What if we we behaved ourselves into this? And what we need to be doing now is really evaluating those choices in the moment, which is, I think, that was something you had indicated to me earlier when we were conversing about this. Yeah. So slowing down enough so that as things we engage in things, we stop to examine which perspective we're engaging with it on. Are we approaching it from the new viewpoint that we desire to view it from? Or are we approaching it from a place of fear or protectivism? Mm -hmm. Are we approaching it from a place of uh, power dynamics, whether it's because we're feeling too little and we're trying to grab for more, or we're trying to assert the power that we do have and make sure we maintain that certain space are we engaging with curiosity about possibility all of these things are only really possible if we slow down enough to create space for the thoughts and we might yeah. not be able to come to the conclusion right away so do we have enough space to
2: to make a different
1: choice if it requires that we think it through longer well
2: and the other thing is that we're not going to do it all right the first time, because yeah. when you're trying something new, you never get it all right the first time. Yeah. So we need space to be able to flop around and <laughs> try things and revise them and come up with new hypotheses. And, uh, and, and if, if the old paradigm is saying to us, we're not listening to you until you come up with a viable alternative...
1: It's sort of like full steam ahead until we get the what we know is going to be the perfect. perfect thing it's going to be perfect.
2: Here. Like I, if it's not better than what we have now, then we're not engaging in it. But then that takes the people who are engaging in the world the way it, it is right now. It takes them out of the solution,
3: mm. and we
2: need them for the solution. Yeah. So this needs to be because part of the three dimensional world is about duality. It's about right and wrong, up and down, mm-hmm. us and them male and female um, victim and abuser uh but powerful and powerless it's it's all of those flips right mm. it and and part of the multidimensional paradigm is is more it's about being a spectrum it's about being inclusive so far from being i've i've got all the answers i i in a in a multidimensional world i want to be able to say we don't have we cannot afford anymore to look at the planet as all these individual little cells because we know that all the cells make up the organism. And and so we, we need to be able to engage the entire organism in change. And that includes the people who are sitting in the three-dimensional world right now. Those of them who are willing and able and ready to... To begin to engage in the experiment of doing it in another way. And it's going to take us a little while to figure it out. I'm thinking
1: we talked about um, that opening where even if something hasn't been shifting in its way of doing things, but there's an awareness that it needs to. But The there's, awareness there's has opening. to come first. And I'm thinking of how many openings often end up with something going wrong. And where people sort of go, whoa, 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 okay, wait, wait, what,
2: what's, what's going on here? It, it, it. Sometimes we don't even have the right hypothesis to work with, never mind trying to prove whether or not it's going to work. Yeah. Right? But I think... So
1: I, we've got one of those happening right now in, in Canada with this when We just had Jody Wilson-Raybould um, give her testimony the other, the other day. And that whole situation around SNC-Lavalin and Trudeau and the government and her shifting, it caused everybody to go, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And it's that moment where then you can either be like, oh, nothing to see, carry on. <laughs> Yeah, or Or, we're
2: going to reject all of this and keep going the way
1: we were before. Or let's stop and dig in. And it may be that we end up still continuing on the same way, but there's going to be a little bit more awareness around it. And a little bit, there's therefore a little bit more choice. And some people may choose to do something else, you know, because of the conversation that we've had. So this could also be another clue. So are we having those moments personally where things are just, it's like the train goes off the track, and we're like, whoa, 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 (laughs) seriously, what is going on here? And it's the
2: microcosm (laughs) and the macrocosm, right? When I lived uh, near Fintorn in in the north of Scotland, it was an intentional, non-denominational spiritual community, and everybody expected it to be perfect, and I said, no, you can't expect it to be perfect. They are the microcosm that is trying something new. And they're going to fall flat on their faces, and they're going to have successes and failures and things they try that they're really not sure what they are or how to label them or whether or not they want to have more of it because it's an experiment. And experiments are messy. They're not perfect. Sometimes you get a result and you don't know how you got it and you have to go back and have a look at it again but i think that we need to be engaging in these pockets of experimentation mm. we need to we need to protect those little pockets of experimentation and and nurture them not just protect in the sense of putting guns around them we need to we need to foster them yeah we they're like petri dishes again without expecting perfection yes. without expecting
1: yes now we're gonna hit the answer in this moment but obviously mm-hmm. what we're we gonna need, get an answer we're basically at a point where either individually or as a world we may be facing the okay things aren't optimum they need some kind of a shift Yes. So, dot, 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 we either need to create safe space for experimenting with what that change looks like, Mm -hmm. or we need to just kind of pull a full, like, pull the brakes fully, you know, screech to a halt, Mm -hmm. jump the tracks, try something entirely different. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the way I do things. Some places will be comfortable doing that. Some people will. Or... A slower evolution. You know, it's going to look different. But the thing is that we're paying attention instead of just yes. merrily humbling around, humbling, yes. hum. <laughs> My words aren't working. Bumbling, right. bumbling along, and ignoring the feeling of of deadness and impending. Yeah, peril. there's <laughs> symptoms here,
2: and you can you can blame the person who's feeling dead or depressed or suicidal or whatever. You can blame them, or you can say, "I wonder what they're reacting to." Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not just personal.
1: Sometimes it's societal. We've got a song here. Um, we're going to pop over to this one. It's called "The Head and the Heart: Rivers and Roads," and then we will rejoin, and we're going to talk through what we hear in the song as well in just a couple of minutes. So, sound break. <laughs>
3: no <laughs> He's not squelching. It is. It's a response. <laughs>
0: Well, our friends will move away And they're going to better places But our friends will be gone away Nothing is as it has been And I miss your face like hell and I guess it's just as well, but I miss your face like hell. Oh. Then we will not relate Said if you don't know what to make of this Then we will not relate
1: Back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We were just listening to The Head and the Heart, Rivers and Roads. We enjoyed that song. <laughs> it was yeah. Good. yeah. It's um it made me remember the um the heartache that can come with change and the parting of ways, right? As we feel a personal compulsion to follow a new route that is more fitting in alignment for us whether it be individually, as a family, as a society. We may lose other people along the way. They may be heading off in somewhere else, something else Mm -hmm. that's more aligned with them or or whatever choice they're making. Maybe we'll meet up with them down the road or down the river.
2: Yeah, but it's sad
3: sometimes to
2: to let them go. And uh, you know, depending on the relationship, it could be a partner, it could be family member. Mm -hmm. And that can tear apart the fabric of our lives. Um, and we can feel guilty about it or justify or get angry or, or uh, you know, another way of doing it is to see it as choices. Another good reason to be slowing down. And to be slowing down. And, I, you know, I, it's interesting that as our world gets faster and faster, there are more and more slow movements out there. There's a slow mm-hmm. food movement. And uh, there was a, a woman I was working with who, who described herself as a slow coach. <laughs> she was um, encouraging her coachees to uh, take a pause, mm. and the coaching was part of the pause. And I, I really like that. That's it, interesting. It, yeah. Sometimes we need to enter a space <laughs> of uh, uh, time suspension to, real- <laughs> to 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 just to, to think and to.
1: B. A slow coach was an was an insult. British yeah, insult. It was, a slow
2: it was it, Yeah, a slow coach. It meant, <laughs> you couldn't keep up, right? We called yeah. it in North America. We called it a slow poke. Slow, <laughs> yeah, slow poke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's. I, I think it's. Um. It, it we do it's very much the microcosm macrocosm thing. What I do inside myself is what the world is also doing. So. Um, we We do we, we process, we learn, we increase awareness inside ourselves, um, or we do it outside ourselves but but I think probably the better way of looking at it is to see that it 's happening everywhere it doesn 't mm-hmm. really matter where you work. Some people are working really hard on shifting the outside world, and some people are working equally hard on shifting their inside world, but it all makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, And none of us are perfect at this. We're all (laughs) trying to figure it out as we go along, right? So that means we need compassion inside ourselves for not having it all figured out yet Mm -hmm. and with not always getting it um, so that it looks elegant and feels graceful. And also, to when we have that compassion inside ourselves, I think we have more compassion for the people outside of us who are also trying to figure this out. The both I like the both and approach, where we are uh, trying to be more inclusive, um, and more um, sharing uh, what the the implicit the things that we don't necessarily talk about. As we become more aware of them, Mm -hmm. we can start being explicit about them and putting them out on the table and sharing them with other people. Um, Because what I'm hearing more and more lately is when one person shares like that, another person can say, oh, I've got something like that. Mm -hmm. Mine looks like this. Mm -hmm. And then the other person can say, oh yeah, I have a little bit of that too. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but maybe that's part of it as well so i think we the more we can collaborate like that and the more we can share our perspectives and come together in communities of commonality not exclusive commonality but overlapping mm-hmm. commonality then then we can we can start to draw on one another's resources and gifts and talents and competencies to and experience to try and shift this and i I think that um, I, I'm particularly aware of this with the um, First Nations communities mm-hmm. around the world, that in some ways they've been left out, and in other ways they have gifts and talents that they haven't lost uh, that they could share with us and themselves um, that are useful again, mm-hmm. more still. Um, and I'm thinking uh, to some extent about the Hopi um, they were called Hopi Indians, but I don't think they're Indians. But First Nations Hopi, Hopi Nation, Hopi Nation in in the U.S. Um, w- there, with some of their philosophies and their predictions about what's coming in the future, they're I think some of some of the time, the First Nations people are a little more able to live outside of time and space. Our very linear definitions of time and space, uh, because I think one of the other qualities of a multi-dimensional world is that it's not so time delineated, mm-hmm. um, which the, th- the three-dimensional world is very um, clock-oriented and and measurement-oriented, distances and times and hours and minutes and goals and um, m- measuring things. So we're we've got some we've got some. Interesting opportunities here. I don't think the answers are going to come from somewhere else. I think we have a lot of our own answers. It's about really appreciating what we do have and taking inventory.
1: And I'm thinking, I was just, um, while you were speaking there, I was trying desperately to find something that I thought I had k- saved the other day that I'd come mm-hmm. across. That in the end, it's not what I was looking for that was so important, but what, what it was space holding for, which is mm-hmm. when we're trying to find our new way... <laughs> And even in relying that there's there's wisdom out there somewhere, it really, really helps for us to be hooked in to one, two, three, however many we can find, whether they are friends or maybe there's somebody that we can follow from a distance, but people who seem to be communicating at least a part, like a you can find feel a breath of the vision that that feels right to you. <laughs> when they speak, when they when they share something, when they do something you're like, "That's that's what I'm talking about." I don't even mm-hmm. know the words, but that's the thing. This is the thing I want more of. This is where we need to go. We really need to have those vision holders mm-hmm. that we can kind of gain our courage, gain our
2: re, recalibrate our compass from and we, they come from all kinds of different places. I've got a piece of art in my living room right now, that was made by one of our guests on the show, and that piece of art was inspired by a book by Elizabeth Gilbert, um, of Eat, Pray, Love fame. Yeah. And I was so I was thinking about how art can often do that for us—that someone's creativity can it can trigger something in us, or or. Uh, uh, cause something in us to germinate that they didn't even know. They're just trying to express something that's inside themselves. But what they create out there in the world goes out and creates other knock-on effects of creativity and shifts in perspective. I'm just redesigning my website right now, and there's a. I found a photograph of a person who has... Um, put their hands up to create a sort of frame and they're and they've got it up to their eye and they're looking through it and they're trying to shift their own perspective. Mm. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of what people in the coaching professions, counseling, um, healing, the the alternative practitioners, what part of what we're trying to do is um, reframe things or help People or help other people to reframe themselves. things. Yeah, yeah. To,
1: to find yeah. what is a more helpful. Yeah.
2: And I'm not saying to people, frame viewpoint. it like this. I'm saying, how else could you frame it? Yeah, yeah. Um, what might be more, uh, what might be kinder? What feels lighter? And what, what, feels what provides
1: lighter. Yeah. opportunities rather than dead ends? Yeah. Um, what makes you feel curious rather than defeated? <laughs> yeah, and what's shiny? <laughs> what's shiny? It starts with what's shiny. Yeah. All right, we've got a second song here. I want to play this now. I feel like it's time. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is an oldie. This is Sam Cooks. A change is gonna come, and I found this while I was doing a quick quick hunt and search and gather for songs relating to change and shifting. So this song he wrote after he and his wife and his band were on tour. They had booked some reservations at the something like the Hilton Holiday Inn. That's what it said, the Holiday Inn. And they were refused accommodations because of their race. This was in the 60s, mid 60s. And as we know, racism is still alive and well today. Unfortunately, this is a battle that we must continue on. We must continue to disassemble this. This song became an anthem for the American civil rights um, movement mm. and
2: talk about change.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I feel like and there's something ongoing. important to pull out here because this is also this song is a speaking into what we know must be created. Mm. So there is the investment of energy and the calling forth what must come. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't know exactly it's a what clarion it looks like, call in a way. Yeah. yeah. So let's take a listen to this. Sam Cook. A change is going to come. We will be back here live in the studio in just a few minutes.
3: It's been a long a long time coming but I know a change gonna come Oh yes it will It's been too Beyond the sky, it's been a long, a long time coming. Help me, please. But he wants. A long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. Oh, yes, it
1: will. Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We were just listening to Sam Cooke's A Change is Going to Come. I sent out some links on our Twitter account if you want to follow up with those videos if you want to listen to them again. <laughs> videos and
2: audios and, yeah. I haven't been tweeting to... out a
1: whole lot today since it's just the two of us talking. But, uh, yes. Yeah. If you want to find us there, we are at Essential Conv. That's spelled Essence, T-I-A-L-C-O-N-V. They're on Twitter.
2: Yeah. So, where to from here? Well, the the thing that was left for us in the conversation that I had last week was about being kinder to ourselves Mm. and more allowing and asking the question, if everything is exactly right as it's unfolding at the moment, then uh, what, what choices do I have from that place? So instead of trying harder, pushing more, um, trying to get somebody to see hear, understand change. If we're able to make really small changes um, that are within our control, then what what choices do we have then? So if I'm if I if I look at it as I have choices about what I do first and foremost, I don't have to convince anybody else about that. Then um, how how am I going to act? differently if I were to assume that the person with whom I'm dealing if if I assume that one even 1% of their way of looking at it is valid then how might I deal with that person and if I give if I were to give myself credit for something in this situation in this relationship what do I bring to the table that is valuable to me, valuable to the organization, and valuable to the person who's sitting across from me, even if I don't have words to explain it to them yet. So that allowing puts me in a different space. Now I'm not going out there ready to do battle. This doesn't Mm. feel aggressive to the other person anymore. Now I'm coming at it out of a place of of, um, celebrating what I have, who I am, how I'm different, um, and my discomfort level. If I if I look at my discomfort level as a sign that I'm not fitting, then I see it differently than if I look at my discomfort level as a signal of where I'm ready for change. Mm-hmm. Then, Then I can say to myself, oh, okay, I'm getting really uncomfortable here. Hmm, I wonder what that's telling me about what I'm ready to change now. And if the person across from me isn't ready to change yet, what can I do to lay the groundwork for me and for them um, in ways that, that will move? So it comes back to my Jenga block philosophy of life again. Don't push the blocks that won't move because they're weight-bearing and they'll knock the whole structure over. Push the blocks that will move. And that is the part. So in that, that song, they were talking about roads and rivers. Mm-hmm. We don't have to build rivers. We have to build roads; they're necessary. Um, we need bridges over rivers, but rivers flow. We can get on the energy of a river and and just let it carry us, uh, and then we come to a place maybe where we need to portage, and then we need a road or a path or something that goes in another direction. But it doesn't; it isn't always one or the other. So, sometimes I think we get so focused on roads and bridges um, and, and red lights and bicycle lanes and traffic and and we, we ignore the fact that we're right beside a river. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's going exactly where we need to go and we can just get on it and just float. So it's a, it, this is about, there's always space for shifting perspective. Until we forget that we can.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So one of the things that I'm advocating with people I'm working with at the moment is send me a text and I'll ask you what you know. hmm and that comes out of our conversations right. about me knowing things. And sometimes I forget that I know. And so you say to me, well, what is what, it, you know? what is it <laughs> that you know? Um, and I'm passing that on to other people now and and just saying to them, what do you know? Because sometimes it's really it's really valuable to have that come from outside of you so that you can go inside to find what you know already. Uh, and and another
1: another uh, version of that question that can kind of cut through the BS that our minds like to layer in there for us is what are you Pretending not to know. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or what are you afraid to know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, And what, if you could know it, would open doors and windows for you, Mm. would put you on the river, um, would make it easier or more easeful or less stressful or more accepting or more Mm. celebratory of who you are. Um, We don't have to get everything Right. Um, and we always work best in our zone of our, our best gifts i 'm thinking too. Um,
1: when When we perceive we want desperately for a thing to change, uh, a structure in our life that, that we 're engaging with it might be the way work is, could be the way a relationship is, or a whole other host of circumstances. And we aren't, it's not in our power to change all of that because there's so many other individuals with all their choices and all of their their things, right? So we may be getting really frustrated, maybe despairing. This this could be the situation in which we are asking all of these questions. Mm-hmm. And while we may not, you know, and maybe that moment will come that we've described, though, like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 mm-hmm. you know, where everybody's stopping for a moment to just assess. And that's a great moment where somebody's going to Let's speak make sure up.
2: we're all going in the right direction yeah. before we walk another before mile. Before we go far, farther. <laughs> yeah.
1: There are times, of course, where when we cannot be shifting those things. I know you've already alluded to this. I just want to really mm. zero in on yeah. it. Yeah. Where we are doing the change. And we mu- we don't perceive the change in ourselves because it's no. it's
2: And we may not even value it.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. It's incremental. Mm-hmm. And now I'm imagining, now think about that river thing. You ever uh, bump, against, bump up against something and then you kind of roll around the object. And so you're still kind of connected. Like, let's say you, you ram into a... a A A stone in the river. A tree, yeah. A stone. And you kinda come at it from Mm -hmm. this way, but then the current is pushing you and pushing you pushing you until Until you 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 end up around it. Until you end up facing backwards, but you're still touching the rock until you suddenly break free. Well, the entire time Mm -hmm. that you're connected with that rock and all you're doing is looking at the
2: rock. It feels like a hard spot. And you're just like,
1: Why will this rock not move? (laughs) Yes. But the point is the river is changing your orientation. Mm
2: I like that analogy. Yeah, it fits, doesn't it? So
1: while our immovable is not moving, Mm -hmm. we are shifting around Mm -hmm. it. And it's not comfortable. Mm -hmm. It can be grinding. It can be painful and frustrating Mm -hmm. and pinchy and unhappy in all the ways. Either that or just
2: plain boring. It feels like nothing is shifting.
1: And there can be moments where you suddenly realize... Oh, something happens. I think that was where... uh, It's no time to tell the story right now, but Mm -hmm. it's a thing I had happen yesterday where I suddenly realized that something that would normally trigger me and cause me great anxiety... Was it had no impact. And I hadn't even realized that I'd been undergoing some some kind of uh, desensitization therapy to Metamorphosis. it. Metamorphosis. Yeah, yeah. and So I'd actually been engaging with this thing that causes me great frustration. But then it came at me from a different angle. And I suddenly found, ah, I really don't care. In fact, I'm actually quite strong in dealing with you now mm-hmm. because I had been shifting. Yes. Even though that immovable thing, I can't make all the other people that are behaving this way not behave that way, but suddenly I was responding differently.
2: And you didn't give it energy anymore.
1: Yeah. Mm. So that means I would be, or let's t- go back to the generic scenario, you're more able and ready to make those changes because you have been, your orientation has been shifting. So any moment where somebody's giving you feedback and saying, you know, you've changed, that doesn't need to be a condemnation or a negative thing that even if they perceive it as negative sometimes but they're people, noticing it sometimes mm. people from outside of us those who know mm. us well mm. family members because it could be impacting them differently they may say it in a negative way this is probably positive though because it means your orientation is changing you're going to be better able to take advantage when it's time when the immovable thing is ready to be on its way yeah and so it is and there we go and we're mm-hmm. at the end of our time so do you have anything else that you want to tell our listeners to before we leave
2: uh, No, I can't think of anything at the moment. I'm about to hit the road again. I'm heading off to Germany.
3: Road again. So um,
2: I'm going to be in Frankfurt and near Nuremberg and around Trier. So if anybody out there knows of anybody in those cities who might like to interact with me, mm-hmm. I would love to hear about it.
1: I'm preparing to launch the fundraiser for Blossom House Project, the co-housing yes. project. Very exciting. I'm quite excited about that. I've got two seed moms.
3: Mm. <laughs> I love that phrase.
1: It makes me happy. Oh, it's fantastic. So it's two individuals, and we're calling them seed moms, ready to take on uh, building a new house, a new structure. And um, anyways, more can be seen about that if you go and um, follow us yeah, on Yeah, they the, should contact you.
2: Yes, that's yes. true.
1: Feel free to contact me. Fantastic. Information's on the outro. Yeah.
2: And until next week... I wonder what's around the corner. Or
1: on the other side of the rock that the river's pushing us around, right?
2: Yes. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahallux.com. I light the fires that
1: light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep,
3: yep. yep. Oh, ah, ah, ah. (laughs) Happy, 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 boing, 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 boing. Bo- skip, skip.